What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. What's up, guys? The guest on this week's episode of the podcast has an extremely cool story with a really great beginning to his real estate journey. Gaetano is a super young loan officer and investor down in Connecticut, getting into some really big projects. This interview was a blast and had great tips, especially for those just beginning. In this episode, we get into investing in the path of progress, approaching potential partners for deals, direct-to-seller marketing, and so much more. There is a ton of super informative info in this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Let's jump right into the episode. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 53 of the Creating Wealth podcast. Today, we get the great pleasure of chatting with Gaetano Ciambriello. He's an amazing, super young loan officer with AFC Mortgage Group, as well as an investor located down in Connecticut. I'm extremely excited to be able to talk with him today. What's going on, Gaetano? How are you, man? What is new? Kyle, doing well. Thanks for having me. Was uh, was able to play a little golf earlier today with some clients out All at right. a Haven Country Club. It was phenomenal. I played awful, but it was still fun. <laughs> um, mortgage business is going great. Uh, family's doing well, so so can't complain overall. And then you know, investing is uh, is more fun than ever. Oh, I love to hear it, man. Today was a great day to, to play some golf, especially if it's the same kind of weather as it is up in Mass. <laughs> you know, it was. It, it's it's that time of year. It was October 7th where I woke up today. It was like 48 degrees, a little nippy. <laughs> Some of the guys wore pants. You know, you wear shorts, but by 1 o'clock, it was like, you know, 78 degrees out and you're sweating. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> beautiful day. Sun was out. It was good. I know. You got to love New England, man. It's crazy. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, to kind of jump right into things, man, you know, what kind of gave you the the real estate bug and like the loan officer bug and, and tell me, you know, kind of a little bit about your backstory and a little about you. Definitely. So uh, we'll, we'll start kind of, they play hand in hand. Uh, when I was born, my dad was working at Sikorsky down in uh, Connecticut and took, went on paternity leave, uh, started in the mortgage business. He started his own company a year later. So he's been a, you know, a mortgage broker for the last 15 years or for 15 years in the last 10, he became a lender and owns a mortgage lending company, which I work for. It's AFC mortgage group. So I grew up with my dad being in the mortgage business. So when I graduated high school, I thought about it, ended up going to college. When I was getting close to graduating uh, college, I was thinking about it again, ended up going to work in Manhattan, working on a trading floor for a year, uh, left that right after COVID hit and then started uh, full-time in the lending business, although I've been licensed for three years uh, this month. Um, in regards to real estate, yeah, yeah, right, man, time's <laughs> flown by. Um, in regards to real estate investing, my mom is invested probably since the early 2000s, so when I was seven, eight years old, uh, right before, you know, the crisis, like 04, 05, I remember going to properties uh, that she owned and managed, and she, she definitely had trouble come 08, 9, 10, had to give quite a few of them back, but I grew up watching her invest. Um, as I got back or as she started investing again, post-crisis, 
you know, closer to when I was in uh, late high school, early college years, it kind of sparked my interest, especially once I became full-time and employed, uh, working at a bank and had a W-2 income to go buy a property. Of course, man, that's incredible. That's, that's like the best thing in the world to be able to come from that kind of background, you know, where like your family is already in it and like, you know, you can just see this kind of thing, like just growing up and everything. That's, that's phenomenal. You know, good. that's a huge point. Growing up with it, seeing, you know, my dad in the lending business, then my mom investing in real estate versus if I came into this green, I wouldn't know what I was doing. I, a huge leg up. And I, I appreciate it 100% uh, for having that experience, or, you know, wealth of experiences growing up where I was uh, put into these situations where I saw these opportunities. Of course. Yeah. And just to be able to kind of jump, you know, right in with something like that and um, just be able to run with it like that fast. I know that's huge, like especially getting into it or having it really start to spark your interest, you know, in like late high school, like, you know, extremely young, like super early and I'm ready to kind of hit the ground running. Now, how was it working on like the uh, the trading floor in New York? Like, was it kind of like how you see in the movies or is that like not even close <laughs> so funny to get what movies are like you know it's so funny because uh it's you know if you watch the old gordon gecko wall street movie yep. or let's say like the wolf of wall street that came yeah. out i well, first off nobody's on the phones that much anymore they are but a lot of it is over chat yeah so you, you pick up the phone but it's not as hectic as it was um it's great because there's a ton of energy on the floor you know, there's probably three, 400 people on the floor. You're sitting in a row of 12 to 15 people on your side and right back behind you. Um, that part was awesome. You're definitely at the desk throughout the day. So it's not like my business now where I'm more flexible. I was playing golf earlier this morning, clients. So that was the one negative. But from the amount of knowledge you could pick up in a year or, you know, your first couple of years, I still have a lot of friends that are working in Manhattan, still at the same bank I was at doing mm -hmm. sales and trading. And they love it. Um, it's a great start uh, coming out of college. Yeah, that sounds really incredible, man. That's that's awesome. No, you know, is it more thing... like? Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I, I was gonna say the, the best thing about it is the amount of people you meet coming yeah. out of college. I had an analyst class, I think a hundred kids, and I still probably talk to thirty or forty of them. And you know, they're they're from all over, northeast, uh, other parts of the country. They went to a lot better schools than I did. Um, so to be able to like build that network and then you meet their friends once you're going out, and, you know, after work, all that, it's, it's great. That's awesome. Especially being that like-minded and like, you know, it's exactly, you know, kind of like college, but you know, with like an additional, uh, benefit, you know, of being like just in the same field and everything and, and just so like-minded. Yeah. 100%. And the people that I work with, my, everybody was ambitious. So everybody had goals, things they wanted to achieve. So you're also putting yourself, like you said, with like-minded people that are also trying to either, whether it's setting themselves up for the long-term or that next job they want to do, the promotion, everybody was hungry. So that, that was awesome. Yeah. That's great, man. So did that kind of like, obviously, you know, you said that was like W2 income and stuff. And now, you know, eventually you were able to get pre-approved and stuff for your first property. Were you kind of like just waiting to like save up money and stuff like that for a while, like while you were working in order to buy that? Or were you just kind of 
you know, like working there for a bit, like learning a bunch of things and like enjoying the heck out of it. And like, you just kind of, you know, found out you're like, oh, you know, I can get pre-approved now and, and kind of jump into this. Like, did you so, kind of want to get into it for a while or? <laughs> well, so my junior year going into uh, senior year, I did an internship there yep. and I was able to save a ton of money. I only paid for my rent. Um, and I also, I don't have many student loans. My parents very grateful for that. They've paid for most of my college tuition. Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to save a lot of money uh, during college while I was working. And then I bought my first investment property in April of 2020. I started working in right when I graduated around June of 2019. So I had about 10 months to save up while I was working at Citigroup. And I always knew I wanted to buy a property. But as you know, the, the turn of 19 into 20, I really started gearing up and getting serious about it. I was always talking to my dad, you know, what do I have to do to get pre-approved? Where do we stand? I was running numbers on myself at that point. I was licensed. So I remember going home and, you know, figuring out how much I qualify for. Um, but, but the itch to buy something started around, you know, late 2019 after I've been working for four or five months, I was saving money and I said, okay, now's the time I can go buy something. Yeah. So what did you start off buying? Like, how did that, how did that kind of, um, you know, start things off? Yes. Yeah, so the first house I bought, um, well, the first deal I came across was in January of 2020. It was a single family home in Fairfield. My mom actually was investing in Fairfield New Housing at that time. Uh, so I was looking at that market as well. She said, it's a great market. You should check it out. So I go under contract or it, I signed a binder to purchase this house from a lady. Uh, two weeks pass, find out that she can't sell it because uh, she told me something to do with taxes. I mean, I had a binder signed. I could have pursued it more. Um, it probably was legally binding at that point. We weren't under contract, but a binder was close enough. Mm -hmm. um, so January passes. That deal falls through. It was a single family, great area. I still drive by the house every day. You know, would love to buy it at the price I, I could have bought it for back in, you know, 18 months ago. But uh, <laughs> like two, three months pass. And there was this house that was sitting on the market for six months or so. I probably looked at it three, four times just on the MLS. I don't know if you guys have that. It's a like multiple listing service. Yep. And uh, okay, awesome. So <laughs> I was looking at it. I've passed it over. And then I want to say my brother one day, you know, was, I was looking at him, showing him stuff. And he's like, you should take another look at this. So took another look. I was like, oh, you know what? The numbers might work. Went to go see it. Layout was a little funky. You know, it was a uh, kitchen, dining room. Everything was closed off. You definitely needed to open everything up. Uh Attic wasn't finished. Um, floors need to be replaced, but it was in a great location. So that was my first deal. That's when I ended up buying first. Long-winded wow. there. But yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's that's great. Did you kind of buy it like with the intention of, you know, just kind of like buying a house to kind of fix up and maybe like sell it off later on or, um, you know, like rent it out to like buy the bedroom or something or? What did you yeah, kind of so think I, about going in? <laughs> yeah. So my right away, I mean, like I have a philosophy I'd say with investing. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but any property I buy, I don't, I don't want to, I'm looking at it from a 10 year perspective or a 10 year hold minimum. So I'm not looking to flip anything, uh, at least not yet. Anything that I am buying, I want to, if it's a value add, even better, I can fix it up, uh, build some equity right away. 
and turn it into a long-term rental. And that was the plan with this one. And that's exactly what I did. I bought it in April, uh, hired a GC, opened up a you know, demo, opened up a floor plan, redid the floors, and rented it out starting in June of that year. So, wow. you know, for people for the summer. So yeah, that was the game plan. That's a pretty perfect timing. <laughs> oh, lucked out. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. That time from like April 1st to June 1st was hectic, making sure that contractors were coming on time, staying on top of GC, make sure the project was moving along. Uh, that, that was a job within itself. But, uh, <laughs> but once it was complete, it was like, thank God. Yeah. I bet. And, uh, and luckily, I would say, you know, I, I had my mom to lean on for that. Uh, she's done rehabs before for some of her buy and holds. And, you know, if I didn't have her to ask questions or another mentor, that project probably would have been four months instead of two. Yeah. No, but honestly, though, that's such a, a great thing, you know, to kind of have like somebody, especially that close to you, you know, to be able to ask those questions too, and, and be that mentor that's been through this a million times. And um, yeah. You know, I, I feel like that's just kind of something that's like been extremely important, you know, to just be able to have those people to to ask questions to and everything and, um, you know, just be able to get answers that fast. That's huge. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, an important thing with like mentors is always trying to have someone that is one or two steps ahead of you. Yep. You know, it, it wouldn't be helpful for me to talk to someone who's runs a REIT they'd have no, they would have no idea what they're doing with a single family house flip, let's say, or, or, you know, a rehab, but somebody that maybe owns X amount of units in the same market or a similar market, they're the right person to go to. So try, I'm trying to always find people that are one or two steps ahead that I can help them or they can help me. Exactly, man. I, I really love that phrase. That's like, you know, making sure that you're not the smartest person in the room. And like, if you are like, keep going into those rooms that are a lot bigger and like, you know, with those people who, have done a lot more than you have and like you know are, are farther along the path than you are at the moment you know just to um you know be able to give some kind of value to those people and um you know just establish a, a good relationship there and just to kind of keep moving up together agree with that 100 and the one thing i love about real estate you know the more people you talk with the more information they're going to get about mm -hmm. the market uh, if you meet with people in the town planning and zoning department if you meet people from the building department even the finance department where's the town putting money those meetings are free to have but they're valuable if you're meeting with a lot of people because then you could share that information you might think how can i help this person who's you know worth x amount of dollars so much farther ahead of me maybe that you have information after having these meetings though with certain people in the town that you can then relate to them and all of a sudden you become an asset and then you, hopefully that becomes a mentor for this, you know? So trying to find ways to help people other than money is a, is a, something I'm always trying to look at too. A hundred percent, man. I, I think it's, it's been really interesting. Like, you know, obviously, you know, like most of us are in this kind of game for like financial freedom and like, you know, to create these, these kind of visions and stuff that, that we have. Um, but how much of it isn't like directly focused on money, but like, indirectly focused on the process i guess you could say like even yeah. like like you said you know learning about like the path of progress you know like where the city is focusing on you know putting their money into and like 
you know, how to get that information is insane. You know, it's like insider trading, but it's completely legal and it's okay. You know, it's, it's free knowledge for everybody, you know, and it's, yeah. um, I haven't actually been a part of, uh, any of those like town meetings or anything. Well, actually I went out to one, but I don't know if I was in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> what was the meeting for? Um, it was, uh, like a zoning board of appeals meeting for, um, yep. it was actually for the city of Lowell. It was on like zoom and, mm -hmm. um, they were just like approving like certain projects and like people would go in front of the board and stuff. And it was great. But like, I was just kind of starting to look at like the, the path of progress, like as something to figure out, um, yeah. you know, to maybe base some, some buying decisions off of, well, mm -hmm. add to things, but yep. yeah. And, and like, I don't know, even like for the city of Worcester, I, I found one recently, like you literally just like google it like path of, path of progress in worcester and they have like a bunch of maps and everything and like certain parts are outlined and like it's crazy man like that type they of tell information you exactly what you're doing exactly it's unbelievable yeah. <laughs> yep that's so funny you know town of new haven in connecticut same thing i was talking to someone recently and looking at what they're doing there I, every town has like a path or, or a, a vision and plan for five or ten years that if you talk yeah. to the you know the town's finance department i'm sure they'll you know point you in the right direction I'm yeah exactly it. and it's it's crazy to just have that like extra amount of information you know i mean like it's it's another piece of information that's that's really helpful <laughs> you know, you know to, especially looking in like some of these cities that have you know like a lot of different neighborhoods and stuff and like you're not really sure where to buy and like it's something else that's that's pretty helpful for um you know kind of buttoning down a little bit on one specific area yeah, the, the one thing a, a person everyone should speak with is the whoever is the, I don't know if you can speak to the head or it cannot be the town as the associate or the deputy, whatever it's called, but the economic development department, they want to see the town grow. They want to see more tax revenue and more tax dollars come to the town. They're going to share information on what they think is best for the town in regards to generating that revenue. So if either corporations are coming to town or they want to see development, whether it's residential or um, senior housing come to town. They want to see redevelopment of properties, maybe an office building that's vacant at this point. They're going to let you know what opportunities they think would be good. And that's a perfect way to start, you know, asking more questions, finding deals or finding people to talk to, you know? Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more, man. Even like, you know, jumping into the same, <clears throat> the same kind of ballpark. Uh, like I've been reading a lot about like the tax code and stuff like that. And like, write-offs and stuff and guys keep in mind you know we're not cpas and stuff but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean like just what i've been reading like i've been reading this book called tax-free wealth and um by tom wheelwright i believe and like mm -hmm. it just it talks a lot about like write-offs and like the same type of thing with like like the tax code altogether you know like they're gonna tell you you know what like the government is trying to get done in terms of like creating jobs, creating housing. And, you know, if you do what the government is asking you to do and that information, like you'll, you'll be rewarded, you know, through like the, the write-offs and stuff like that. And I feel like that's something that's, that's really similar to like a path of progress kind of thing, you know, like the city is trying to um, execute, you know, this certain vision. And like, if you're, like buying in this certain area or something like that, like, you know, you might be kind of rewarded, you know, for being a part of that, um, that process to, 
to make the city, you know, what they're, they're planning it to be. It's just interesting. <laughs> I couldn't agree more with that. 100%. And, and that's why insider trading is allowed in real estate and why you do so well. You find out that information first. Yeah, 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 exactly. And like you said, you know, to be able to share that, you know, with others, maybe doing different things in the same market. And like, all of a sudden, it's like, wow, this is like some really crazy stuff. Like, yeah. you know, that's, that's value that's able to be uh, spread out, you know, to some of the people that, that you come across. So Gaetano, what is your drive and your vision for the long term? I, I guess you could say both as an investor and a, a loan officer? Good question. I mean, the one thing I'd say is I've been investing for, let's call it two years now in a loan officer for full time, the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. it, it's tough to look, you know, I, I write down every so often a three, five, 10 year plan. Um, in regards though, to, I'll start with the lending side. I want to continue to grow my personal business in, you know, the States I lend in Connecticut, Jersey, Mass, Florida, Carolinas, uh, and a few others I want to build my team. I hired my cousin recently. He's working with me. Uh, he got licensed. He's going to become his own loan officer shortly as well and continue to grow AFC mortgage group. That's the goal where, you know, we're hiring salespeople now looking for more operation staff. And that's been great. We've had a great year. We're looking to, you know, grow into that into 2022, bring on an underwriter, underwrite in-house and continue to grow the company in regards to real estate investing. Uh, right now we're at 11 units and under contract for three more. Looking to continue to buy opportunities in the you know student housing market that I'm in. And that, that's for the next three to five years. If we have to raise money, we will. Uh, we haven't had to yet, but you know, if we find another deal, it's definitely gonna be the next thing. We're, we're out of capital you know, internally, so we're gonna start looking to others to raise money. We've had soft conversations, seeing if they, uh, investors would be interested in deals that we're putting together. And we've had a good feedback, but uh, yeah, over the three to five year span for investing, continue to focus on the market we're in and then see where it goes from there. You know, who knows if I'm going to be doing student housing five to 10 years from now, uh, or if I'll be in the same exact market, but I'm focusing on, you know, deal by deal basis. I'm making the calls uh, to owners, seeing if they're interested mm -hmm. in selling and uh, hopefully pull, continue to pull the trigger if it makes sense. I love the vision, man. That's phenomenal. How, how has it kind of been like, you know, starting to have those conversations, like for partnering with people? I mean, like now, obviously, you know, you have that like track record already, you know, of like being able to show off like, hey, you know, this is what we've done so far. Like, this is what the numbers look like, you know, also being a loan officer and like, you know, having the single family, like you, <laughs> you have quite a bit to, to talk about, you know, when you have that conversation. Like, how has that kind of been like? you know, like, I guess, how would you kind of go about um, like who you would go to, you know, to potentially partner and like how you would have that conversation, I guess. So there's a couple of different ways I've gone about it. Um, the first is through referrals of friends or business associates to other people in mm -hmm. either commercial real estate or let's say financial advisors who have clients. Here's our portfolio. Here's the returns that we've had over the last, for me, it's been a you know year and a half. I yeah. can even leverage, let's say my parents, my mom, dad own even more student housing than I do. Here's what they've seen in their returns. I'm buying the exact same market. I'm looking at these deals. Here's how we underwrite. And here's what we project returns are going to be. Is this 
something that you know you'd be interested in investing in. Yeah. Here's a breakdown of any fees we're charging. Here's a breakdown of the pro forma. Um, and, and then, you know, th that's super soft. That's, are you interested? We've gone even further than looking at deals. We've been under contract, putting together an operating agreement and saying, okay, here's what the actual structure will look like. You know, we're we paying a pref and then after that pref, it's going to be split, let's say 60, 40, 70, 30, whatever the number is up to a certain IRR. And then mm -hmm. something beyond that. An important thing though, is uh, to know what kind of capital partners we want to partner with. Because like I said earlier, we're looking at every deal we look at, we want to hold for, let's say 10 years. We want to make sure we're not going to partner with someone that wants to sell after five years. Because that's just yeah. going to cause an issue at the four year mark when they want to sell and we're going to hold on to it. And unless you, even if you had a buy sell clause in there where we could buy it from them or buy them out, it's easier to partner with someone who has the same vision. And then, you know, I, I deal with a lot of investor clients as well on the lending side. So I'm always asking them, how are you, how are you finding deals? How's it working? What kind of return hurdles are you looking for? Would you ever be interested in, in uh, investing as a, you know, LP and had good feedback with that as well. Now, not everyone's accredited, uh, but these are just conversations I'm having with if they're friends or their clients and, and see where, where that goes. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's, that's wicked cool. <clears throat> Wow. <laughs> oh, oh, so the other thing too is, you know, as we continue to have those conversations, if a deal comes up and we needed to raise money, I can then, you know, have a CRM. You could reach out to everybody that's been interested and say, hey, you know, here's the deal. Here's the metrics on this deal specifically. We need 300,000 to be interested in investing 50. Yeah. I haven't had that happen yet. But that's probably the next step. You know, that's, that's really great, man. This, um, Something that I want to mention about that, actually, that uh, I learned a couple of days ago, actually. So we, um, me and uh, like some of the the team I'm on, like the the agent team, we went down to like the BP conference uh, a couple yep. days ago, and in one no of way. the like the breakout um, like sessions, you know, it was just like somebody talking or whatever. It was a class about raising money, and yep. there was something that that really popped for me that like I am definitely going to tell you is it's um basically making like webinars and like just kind of showing off like what you did for your deals and stuff and like basically it's a start to have some of those conversations and it was talking about like the like kind of in like the syndication kind of realm but like bits and pieces of it like you can use for a lot of other things so basically like they were talking about it like i said in like the syndication space to be able yep. to like you know, have people that are potentially interested in some of those webinars and like, you know, to talk about the deals and like, you know, who are we, like, what kind of area is this? Like, you know, like the, we're doing like student housing and stuff like that, um, you know, or whatever your, your case is. And then, you know, be able to talk about it. And then, you know, in the SEC's eyes, like now you have a, I forget exactly what the word was. It was like some kind of relationship. Like it's, I forget what it was. You had to have like, was it like a satisfactory relationship? I, I don't know. I know what you're referencing. Yeah. Where you have a, a prior relationship where you could yeah. then raise money from that person. Exactly. And then, mm -hmm. you know, after that, like you can start to have those conversations. Cause like, you know, these people now, you know, in their eyes and like, everything's fine, but yeah, it just, it was, um, I'll send some of the stuff to you after, uh, after the call, awesome. actually, some, some of my notes, but 
yeah it was really huge like what they were talking about they would have like two or three webinars for you know when it comes to like finding people to raise or you know when they're trying to raise capital and just having some of these conversations and like you know then you can send the recorded webinar out to them or like people that didn't join and like just kind of have like a couple of these things and and start to have a lot of these conversations and um it just it really stuck out you know so it i thought it was pretty cool <laughs> that's awesome that you yeah. made the BP conference too it was it was a lot of fun it uh it was a blast man it was um they learned a lot from it a lot of reflecting and and changing things that i have to do <laughs> for what i want <laughs> was there people from all over did you meet a lot of people from you know, all over the country there was yeah there was um like i talked to a, like a couple agents from california there was like a a guy down in mississippi i think there was yep. people just from like all across the nation i uh if you get a chance man like i i highly recommend checking it out this was kind of like my first time doing one of these like conference type of things. And it was, it was totally worth it. That is awesome. Um, I, I was looking into it. Yeah. It looked phenomenal. Yeah. 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 I, I can't wait for 2022 to come <laughs> out, whatever that is, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought that was something that really stuck out to me, you know, to be able to like you jump on a call with who knows, maybe like 10, 20, 30 people, you know, whatever it is. And then you have that conversation once and just kind of like show people what you're about and everything. And then, you know, set up like a follow-up thing and like send it out to all these people and, um, you know, just be able to kind of have a lot of conversations in one, um, you know, more in like the, the raising capital kind of space. It was pretty cool. <laughs> um, let's see here. Ooh, what do you consider to be the biggest variable to expand your portfolio or your clientele as, as a loan officer, whichever? <laughs> so, you know, the, the question with that, the biggest variable, is that also the biggest hurdle? Because the, it, if looking at it like that, I feel like it comes down to finding the deals. If you're able to find the deals uh, from the investment side, then everything else will fall into place. And, you know, it's, it's funny sometimes I'll find smaller deals, two to four units that don't fit my criteria. They're not in the market that I buy, but they, they still make sense. That's great for me too. Cause I could pass them off to clients of mine and do, and do the lending side and help them with that. Yeah. Even if I'm not buying the actual property. So finding deals is, is the start to everything. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, man. Like no, nothing really happens if you don't have a deal, right? hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, the, you know, the, the marketing, the building the network, the running numbers on properties. I'm not worried about those. Those will come. The more conversations you have, you know, you'll grow your network and hopefully, you know, you find deals through those conversations as well. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I know um, you mentioned earlier, you were doing some cold calling. Yeah. So I, I use a uh, crop stream and I've hey. heard of it. Yep. And uh, I do direct to the, you know, I look up whoever the LLC is that owns the property, whether it's, uh, you know, someone's name on Google, their name, try and skip trace it and then uh, make calls or I haven't yet done anything with letters, but I found uh, a couple of the deals that we are one on our contract when we've closed was just from calling the owner directly. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of power in that, man. I, I started kind of getting into that a lot more recently and um, mm -hmm. it just, I mean, the way that I look at it is like, it just, I mean, this is just kind of my opinion. And like, for me personally, it, it's what's kind of worked 
is like cold calling just makes a lot more sense from like a time um perspective from a money perspective and or yeah i guess like the amount of time that you spend like on each you know potential lead or or contact you know to get that answer yes or no and then i guess from like a follow-up standpoint as well it just it just kind of makes more sense than direct mail. And that's the thing is like, I totally prefer direct mail. And like, that's what I was doing before, but like, cause I would, I would send out maybe like, I think like two to 300 mailers at a time or something. And it would cost probably like three or $400, you know? Yeah. And like, you don't really know, you know, if these people are getting it, like if they're throwing it in a drawer or something like that, you know, maybe for later, like you don't really know what that answer is unless you get like an instant response. You know, you could be waiting like six months or something like before somebody reaches out. And like, I don't know, it just, when I started cold calling, like one, it was a lot cheaper because, you yeah. know, you weren't paying for stamps and like um, envelopes and like getting these things um, like printed up and stuff like that. Uh, you know, spending the time like stuffing the envelopes and stuff, at, at least the way I was doing it, which is probably mm-hmm. a lot more efficient ways, but yeah, <laughs> you know, and then from the, the cost or yeah, from the cost standpoint as well, you know, I mean, to buy a list exactly, you know, from prop stream, um, a very, yep. you know, specific list on there and then send it out somewhere to get skip traced, you know, use like a, I use like a VA on like Fiverr. And it costs like, you know, like 10 bucks to have them skip trace, like hundreds and hundreds of contacts. Oh, you know, no way. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to send you some stuff too, man. It's, um, it's, there's one person on Fiverr I've been using in particular and, and he's been great. Um, but yeah. And like, so for, you know, like five or 10 bucks plus, I don't know, like the 99 a month for prop stream or like, however you would yeah. like divide that or, or what have you, you know, you have like a skip trace list that you can literally just call and then, you know, you'll get an answer usually instantly, you know, whether it's like somebody like, Oh, you know, like maybe, you know, let's figure it out, follow up with them. And like, you know, a month, three months, six months, you know, whatever it is, you know, somebody telling you to go pound sand, <laughs> you yeah. know, and like, you just, I feel like you just kind of know a lot faster for a lot cheaper, you know? Mm-hmm. And then in the amount of time that you get that answer, it could be like a 10 or 20 second phone call and you're already on to the next one, you know, bang out like 50 of these things or something like that. And like, I don't know, it just like, for me, it just kind of made more sense in terms of like a cost perspective, uh, time and efficiency, you know, and then even if you threw like, um, do you use a dialer by any chance? I don't calling? know. I... Oh man. It's, if you get a second, it's, um, a dialer changes everything. It's, uh, basically like you would upload your skip trace list onto the dialer and then literally like you could sit back press the button to like you know start dialing and it would bring up like a property card it would say like the name like the property address phone number um you know and then it would be ringing through because sometimes there'll be like different cell phone numbers and stuff like that yeah um you know it'll literally just automatically ring through all the cell phone numbers and then like, you know, if there's no numbers or whatever, it just goes to the next one. And it's what like, dialer do you use? I use a uh, Mojo. Dialer. Oh yeah. I've heard of it. Yep. Yeah. It's um, it's been great. I think there's better ones out there. Um, 
because i mean you could dial like one uh the one i have is like a single line so like it'll yep. dial like one person at a time and then move on to the next uh it has like a three line dialer too where like it'll dial three people at the same time and then you know you'll talk to the first person that answers and then the other two it'll drop like a voicemail or something saying like oh the connection's bad you know i'll call you back in a second so then you can call them back like right after and it just literally man it just automates the heck out of everything and like you literally just sit back and like let it go and then you know you just go through your script or like you're talking and stuff and it's a game changer that <laughs> i highly awesome. recommend it <laughs> i'm looking into that now i'm not calling that many owners probably my, my market's by you know 300 let's say the yeah. same 300 but if i were to expand or, or try to hunt more deals at 100 percent, i'm gonna look into it regardless yeah yeah honestly man it's um it's really really cool you know it's uh it's changed a lot for me you know all of a sudden you get through like 50 people and like yeah probably a little less than an hour and um you know and then like i was thinking about when i was writing mailers i was like i can write maybe like <laughs> 20 30 of these in an hour you know i'm like yeah <laughs> then you got to go get the stamps and drop it off at the post office. And I don't know, it's, you know, whatever, whatever works for everybody. You know what I mean? Everybody's different, but the cold calling definitely works. <laughs> yeah. I'm a fan of it. You know? <laughs> um, so man, Ooh, what is your best piece of advice to new investors that want to start and manage their rental portfolio? So the, the first thing 100% is get started right away. The, you know, you could be on bigger pockets all day long. You can look at um, as many blog posts and articles you want. I would start underwriting deals. Look at multifamilies in your market. I'd start with a two to four unit property. I'd buy it with an FHA loan, uh, put down three and a half percent, live in one unit and rent out the other, you know, one to three units, however big the property is. That's the best way to get started, I think, with investing. You own the property, your property manager, you go through a closing process, um, you start to understand a little bit about the financing. To get started, that is 100%, I tell all my friends, if you wanna start building a portfolio, start that way. With only three and a half percent out of your pocket, it's also a cheap way to do it. You know, you don't have to come up with 20, 25% for a down payment. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. That's uh, absolutely golden. You know, that's like literally the best way on planet earth to get started, you know? And um, it, yeah, <laughs> agree 100% in bigger pockets has the, uh, you know, the term house hacking for it. Yeah. So it's uh, hands down the best way to get going. Yeah. 100%. And, and to do so, you know, you got to have conversations with agents. What is this going to rent for each unit? Um, you got to underwrite a lot of deals in the market, make sure that, you know, it's going to cash flow, hopefully or at least lower your living expense to where you're paying close to nothing. And, you know, the more deals that you underwrite, the more deals that you see, the more offers you put in, eventually something's going to get accepted. And that's the best way to go about it. Of course. And, you know, when they need a loan officer, there's one, you know, a great one right across the screen from me at the moment. So <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, those are my favorite loans to work on because yeah. I know that somebody's buying this for, you know, they're looking to grow their portfolio. Yep. They're working with a client who's going to be a repeat client, who's going to buy more property and good for them. If they keep doing that, by the time they start at 25, by the time they're 35, they'll, they'll be worth at least a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. They're with their portfolio and net worth. I mean, they're net worth. So. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, and especially to be able to see it from like your eyes as well, you know, being an investor already and like, like, you know, what's going on, like to on a whole nother level, you know, and like, yeah, just be able to kind of to see that and be able to guide them, you know, in the way that totally makes sense for for what they're looking for. You know, I, I Crazy. think about it all the time, by the way, Kyle, if you buy it, if you start at 25, you buy it with FHA, you buy a three unit and it cash flows, you know, whatever, wherever you want, USA cash flows. And then every year you buy another investment property that's positively cash flowing. By the time you're 35, you're going to own 10. They're all positively cash flowing. First ones, you had 10 years of equity pay down. Maybe there's been appreciation as well. I mean, it, it's slow, but there's no way you're not going to be a millionaire after 10 years or after 20 years. So it's a slow game, but it, you know, to see someone start, it's great because you know, long-term they're going to be in great shape. Yeah. I know. I, I totally agree with you, man. And like, I'm sure, you know, you can kind of see from, you know, both your experience as an investor and like your W2, yeah, W2 job as well, you know, just the power of even getting that first property, you know, and like, just to be able to like leverage equity and like, you know, yeah, exactly. Like, um, you know, maybe get some appreciation in there, like raising rents and like the taxes and everything. And, you know, all the stuff they, they talk about on the BP podcast. <laughs> 100%. The, the first one, you get the ball rolling. Then, you know, if it goes up in value, you pull out a, either do cash out refinance, you put a home equity line of credit. Now you have access to more capital. You go buy your second one. It's, it's a snowball effect. Yeah. I know that that's phenomenal, man. It's, I mean, like what other kind of asset class, you know, can you grow like this? Honestly, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> why real estate? It's because you can use leverage and insider trading is allowed. You're going to have, a, <laughs> yeah. you know, if, if, if uh, let's say BlackRock, Blackstone, any of these, you know, Tishman, Inspire, they want to start investing in student rentals. They'd have a tough time competing in my market, which is a smaller market. They could probably beat me up at Penn State, Ohio State and build large developments, but the house is single family houses, duplexes, near the bars, near the stadiums, uh, near, you know, other attractions. That's all on information where you have to be local to the market. And that's why real estate's great. Yeah, that's huge. Especially, like you said, you know, some of these like much smaller markets that are, you know, outside some of these big cities that, you know, you can really get some, some gems out there, you know, and they're a lot less congested than, you know, some of these bigger cities. 100%. And some of those bigger names have to cut bigger checks, you know, where we don't have, you know, if you play in that space below 5 million, you're probably not competing with that, you know, big players like that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And even like still, you know, being able to execute that, um, you know, student housing strategy, like, you know, it's not like they're like 50 miles away from, you know, some of these colleges and stuff. They're probably still, you know, within a, a pretty decent, um distance you know still close to some of these schools and stuff like it's not like it's like wicked far away mm -hmm. you know a little outside you know outskirts of these cities and stuff and and still pretty close um do you read and what is your favorite business investing or real estate book that you would recommend to anyone so the, my two favorite real estate books. The first one is The Real Estate Game by Bill Corville. I, I might've butchered that last name, but <laughs> that was one of the first real estate books I read and love it to this day. I recommend anyone interested uh, in investing to start with that. 
I mean, obviously, Rich Dad Poor Dad was like the first book I read in regards to <laughs> thinking of assets and growing my um, net worth. But yeah. from a real estate perspective, I love the real estate game. And then this past year, I read Risk Game. Uh, it's an autobiography on Francis Greenberger. I don't know if you've heard of it. He, so. uh, great book. Um, he made a lot of his money buying apartment buildings in Manhattan. I want to say it was at the 70s or 80s and uh, turning them into condos and selling off the units. And he's done a ton of deals in New York um, and in other cities as well. And then uh, I just read of the autobiography of William Zeckendorf. That was a great book as well. Those sound like so, some really cool ones, man. I'll have to check them out. <laughs> the autobiographies are great to see how some of these big players, you know, guys who started 30, 40 years ago kind of made their bones. Yeah. Uh, Francis Greenberger was awesome. And the Zeckendorf one was phenomenal as well. Yeah. I know those sound really good. It was, um, I bought, uh, it was like an autobiography of uh, Andrew Carnegie that I bought a long time ago that I've wanted to read. And like, you're right, you know, just to kind of see literally like see the story of some of these guys that have done like some really crazy things, you know, and just kind of see the path that they went and like, even be able to to take some lessons and, and tips from that, you know, just from like, being entertained as well as you know, just kind of learning their story, you know, to be able to apply to your situation, you know, to like your friends, family, like clients, you know, just be able to, to pull some of those, those very valuable principles and, and use them to today. Cause like a lot of them are still, still applicable, you know, to some degree or another. Yep. There's actually an autobiography or not autobiography, um, a regular one I'm reading right now. It's called Titan. It's on John D. Rockefeller. Don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a great read. I'm probably you know, a fourth of the way in right now, but it's been a, a really good read. Sweet. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check all those books out. Guys, check those out. They're probably phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, Gaetano, I could talk to you for a very, very long time, man, but um, we'll uh, kind of keep it short for today. <laughs> uh, I pre um, appreciate that, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, man. But um, yeah, so where on uh, like social media and stuff can you be found? Like your... Um, investor and uh loan officer contact info where, where can people hit you up i would i'm on instagram at uh at g chambriello and mm -hmm. then um my email is my first name gaetano uh group g-r-o-u-p at yep. afc alpha frank charlie mortgage group dot net that would be the best way to get a hold of me beautiful guys <laughs> go reach out to, to mr gaetano here uh, if you need a mortgage or refinance or um, anything. <laughs> Even uh, questions on investment properties, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm 23 years old. I want to get started in real estate investing. I have $10,000 saved up. What do I do? Let's get the ball rolling. All right, guys, that concludes our creating wealth podcast episode for today. I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully you can take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Bigger Pockets. Until next time, let's build together.